the thing about a teacher is this, that they've got to teach. They can't keep it to themselves. All that study that they've done, uh, understanding scripture is not for their own benefit. Someone's got to hear what they have found out. And uh, often when I'm reading the Bible in my quiet time, whatever, I can't wait till Sunday. I've just got to start texting people and emailing them and sneaking it in there at staff meetings because I feel so excited and almost pregnant with this information and this insight. A teacher rightly divides, cuts straight the word of God opens it up, is excited by it, and wants to pass it on. Let me just uh, offer a few headings for what a teacher is, and time doesn't allow us to really tuck in. Firstly, as with all the fivefold ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the teaching gift is something that reflects the very nature of God. Uh, as Katie said, God is the teacher. And he is the one who wants to instruct his children about himself so that they can live with him and live for him. God spoke to Moses and then Moses spoke the word of God to the people. But there's a lovely verse where God says to Moses, I will be with your mouth. People might have been more impressed by signs and wonders but God wanted to get the word out. And the signs and wonders just legitimated his authority to speak. I will be with your mouth. A teacher is someone who has an anointing on their mouth. Their ear and their mind to understand God's word, but their mouth. God is a speaking God. And he wants to reveal his word, to reveal his will, and for us to walk in his ways. And so he speaks to his people and he speaks through his teachers. Jesus is titled teacher, often in the Aramaic in the New Testament, rabbi or rabboni. And the bulk of Jesus's ministry was teaching. Of the 90 times that Jesus is directly addressed in the gospels, over 60 of them, he is greeted as teacher. Jesus was Lord and Christ, the Messiah, but he came teaching. And the Jewish people expected the Messiah. If God was coming, if God was anointing someone, they would speak. They would bring the word of God. You know, over a hundred times in the New Testament, it talks about teaching, and nearly all of them refer to Jesus. As Jesus prepared to leave, he promised that he would send his spirit to do what? To comfort them, yes, but to teach them lead them into all truth. Many of us want the Father and the Son and the Spirit, but we want certain things, the miracles or the experience or the power or the tenderness or answered prayer. But preeminently, Jesus is revealed as the one who spoke and taught and then, of course, died for our sins and rose again for our justification. So teaching reflects something of the very nature of God. Secondly, the Christian faith is a taught faith, not a caught faith. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to do everything I've taught you, I've commanded you. You make disciples by teaching. 
You show that you're a disciple by being taught. A disciple of Jesus is not free to construct their own faith, their own version of it, their own DIY pick and mix religion or spirituality. They're not free to take a bit from here and a bit from there and a bit from wherever. They're not free not to accept parts of what scripture says. We Christians don't follow our own spiritual paths. We follow well-worn, laid-out paths by God. Teach them to do everything I've told you. And where do we know what Jesus said? Well, it's written in the book. It's written in the Gospels. The Old Testament is an expectation and anticipation of Christ, and the New Testament, a revelation of it and a recollection of it. And we are people of the book, God's Word. That's where we're taught. The Bible is the curriculum. The Bible is the curriculum. The apostles devoted themselves to teaching. Church leaders, we read in 1 Timothy 3.2, were appointed who could teach. In our reading that we just had in 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, it says, Appoint men who, have, or, or, who are faithful and are able to teach. The basis of our faith, uh, of our teaching, is the faith that was once delivered. So the Christian faith is taught faith, not a court faith. We don't just sit around listening with our finger in the air. There is a time to listen to what God has said. But if you want to know the main and the plain of it, you've got to read the Bible. You've got to read the Bible and anything else that you may hear or feel or sense that God may be saying, and he does speak prophetically, has to be filtered and tested and submitted to the book, to the faith as once delivered. There's a wonderful verse that's very important for me, Nehemiah 8.8. 8. And uh, the Israelites have returned from exile in Babylon They've been there for 70 years. They had disobeyed God. They'd abandoned God's word. They'd gone their own way. They'd taken on the practices of the surrounding pagan nations. They'd not listened to the prophets, and they found themselves exiled from the land in servitude. But God, in his grace, returned them. And when they came back, they gathered, and Nehemiah summons them, and he summons the teachers. And then it says this, Nehemiah 8.8. 8. Read from the book, they read from the book of the law, they made it clear, and they gave the interpretation so people could understand. The mark of a teacher is not someone who sounds complicated or complex. The mark of a teacher is someone who takes complex things and makes them accessible and understandable. They read from the book of the law, they didn't just spout off the top of their heads, they read from the book, they made it clear and they gave interpretation. They brought the revelation, they interpreted it, and then they applied it. That's what teachers do. And then thirdly, teaching is not to, to gain information, but ultimately it's about a transformation. Teaching should change us. Teaching should change us, not tickle our ears, not inform our minds, not just give us a, a, a deposit and a volume of knowledge. You know, in Ephesians 4, where it lists these fivefold ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Some say they go together. I'm not convinced. Pastors, teachers. 
It says they're to equip the saints for work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and a mature stature to the fullness of Christ. So teaching is one of these foundational gifts that equip us, firstly, for ministry. It equips the saints for works of service. How do we know what God wants? How do we know how to do God's will? We need teachers to teach us his word. And the unity of the faith. This is not churches together stuff, although that's wonderful. This is not holding hands and singing come by ya and loving everyone. The unity of the, unity of the faith here, I think, is about a comprehension of the comprehensiveness of our faith. We need teachers for that. And then intimacy, the knowledge of the Son of God. You want to know him? Do you want to know him better? Do you want to know him intimately and personally? Then teaching tells us about him and tells us how to meet him and know him like that. And then maturity, it says that we might attain to the measure of the fullness of Christ, a mature stature. This is the trajectory that teaching takes us on. Ministry, unity, intimacy, and maturity. And we're not going to get there until the Lord returns, which is why we don't just start off with teaching and then graduate from it. We just go on to postgrad and then postdoc and so on. Fourthly, only a couple more. Teaching is constantly under attack. If teaching is God's primary, primary means for discipling, for conforming us to Christ, for equipping us for service, for blessing us, for God to meet with us, then the devil has a vested interest in diluting it or deviating us from it or adulterating it. What were the first words that the devil said? To Eve, he said, did God say? Did he really say? And the devil's always undermining God's words. He's always stealing the word of God from us. Oh, did he say that? Maybe he didn't. The devil doesn't want us to be taught because he doesn't want us to be equipped or to be mature or to be intimate with Christ. And it's tragic, but most of the letters in the New Testament are written to churches that are in trouble. And they, there is a lesson to us. And why are they in trouble? because they've listened to bad teachers, false teachers, rotten teachers, or no teachers. And they've moved on to higher things, and they've left the faith as once delivered. They've graduated from the gospel. They've moved away to Jesus, and they're onto strange or esoteric or legalistic or, you know, any number of nutty things. The devil's happy for us to study as long as we're not studying the word of God and know more about Jesus. And so Paul speaks of rightly dividing God's word, of entrusting it to faithful people who can teach the faith, and of warning of the gangrene that sets in through false teaching. Then fifthly, teaching is a privileged responsibility. James, in his epistle, says, Not many of you should be teachers, because you will be judged more severely. I've never liked that verse. Those who teach are going to be judged more severely. Why? Because they spend time in the word of God. They understand God's mind, God's thoughts. And if they don't then live up to it, if they teach it but don't practice it, they're hypocrites and they're going to be judged. 
The Lord's servant, says Paul in Timothy, must be able to teach. And he says in 1 Timothy 3, 2, he's got to practice what he preaches. It's a privileged responsibility. What an honor, but what a responsibility. And then sixthly, I've already mentioned this. Let me just move quickly. The Bible is the curriculum. The teacher teaches what the great teacher taught. And it's inspired and inscribed in the Bible. The Bible is the source and norm. If the teacher doesn't open their Bible, they shouldn't open their mouth. If you don't open your Bible, shut your mouth. I've listened to preachers stand up there and say, I'm not, I heard someone once say, I'm not going to open my Bible today. I'm going to open my heart. And I wanted to say, shut your heart and open the Bible. I want God's heart. How do you know whether your heart's right or not? We've got to go to God's word. Does that sound hard? Well, God has spoken, and I want to hear his words. You know, teachers love their Bibles. Before I was a Christian, I was frightened of mine. As soon as I was saved, I, I just wanted to dig in. And then I borrowed a modern translation because I only had an old King James, and I read it till it fell apart. And then I went and bought another one, and I read that till it fell apart. I'm always buying Bibles, handing them out, and giving them away. Teachers love the Bible because they love the one who inspired it. When Bible teachers get together, they say, what, what Bible have you got? What translation? What make? I was with John Mark Comer a while ago, we were at a conference, and I said, oh, I like your Bible. He said, yes, I heard you recommend that one, and I went and bought it. And it's the Bible that excites a teacher. It's what gets them up in the morning. And the Bible's history, and its style, and its word groups, and its authors, and its grand schemes, its primary, its secondary themes. The Bible is the curriculum. And then lastly, nearness to God is our goal. Ultimately, the teacher wants to bring people closer to God. St. Luke tells us that when Jesus met the two on the road to Emmaus, it, say, he say, it says, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He took them to the scriptures. He drew near, he took them to the scriptures, and he revealed himself, Jesus, to them. And then when he disappeared, what was it the two on the road to Emmaus said? They said, did not our hearts burn within us when he opened up the scriptures to us? That's what teaching does. Teaching from scripture about Jesus sets our heart on fire. It gets us up. And it turns us around and it makes us go back and witness like those two. Saints, we need to be a church of the burning hearts, a church of open Bibles, a church of those seeking Christ in all the scriptures. Some of you, God is calling to be teachers. And you know that you've been wanting to dig deeper into his word. You know he's been speaking to you. You want to pass it on. We want to pray for you later on this evening and over the coming months that God would equip you and set you apart to teach his word, rightly dividing the word of truth. But others, you're not called to be teachers, but God wants to inspire you through teaching. Some of you have got a default position that when, when the Bible's open, you fall asleep. It's as if a sort of torpor comes over you. And if that's you, we want to pray that you will be inspired 
and that your hearts will be set on fire. The best compliment anyone ever paid me was a vineyard pastor when I was speaking at a vineyard conference and I was doing the morning Bible teachings. There was no prayer, no ministry at the end. It was just, you know, me standing up, opening the Bible, teaching, and then having a coffee break. And during one coffee break, a pastor came up to me and he said, in the vineyard, are, the way we order things are in three parts. We have a third worship, a third teaching, and a third ministry. And he said this, and it blessed me then. May it, may it be true more and more. He said, but when you teach, I feel we've already had the ministry. And that's what a teacher, at his best, we all have bad days. Some of us have bad years. <laughs> to set hearts on fire so that people feel they've already had ministry. And they have had if the teaching's been faithful because the Bible has been opened and Christ revealed and Christ encountered. Thanks for letting me teach about teaching.